0: Welcome to episode 183 of Telepractice Today with Kim Dutro-Allen and Dr. Todd Houston.
1: Hey, welcome back to another episode. This one's going to be a little bit different. We are going to do a ASHA recap episode, and we have our friend, Michelle Boisvert, here to do that with us.
2: Hi. Thank you very much.
0: (laughs) 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 Welcome back, Michelle. It's always great to have you on the podcast.
2: Thank you. I love joining you guys. You guys are always a wealth of information and have some amazing insights to always share with everybody. So...
0: A wealth, a wealth of something, and we don't know what it is yet. We're still <laughs> trying to determine insights, insights, yeah. insights, okay. Um, so, uh, right before we hit record, we were talking about artificial intelligence. Yeah. So, yeah. it seemed to be the hot topic at this year's ASHA. And on Saturday, there was a big research symposium that that was dedicated to AI that asha sponsored unfortunately i didn't make it to those presentations but there were others uh, during the convention that i went to and that you guys went to um, and so what do you think what do you think about this ai stuff
2: i think there's definitely a place for ai um but i think we should proceed with a little bit of caution so mm-hmm. I think AI, when we're using it for um, per- like personalized, the- like really quick personalized therapy material, um, right. tailored therapy prompts, even some um, like bilingual translations, like for therapy materials, AI is awesome for that. Mm-hmm. But I think we should exercise a bit of caution when we're looking right. at higher stake documents.
1: Right. Um, mm-hmm. It could be like
2: IEPs, diagnostic reports, you know, paperwork or, or documents that need to go that need to hold up under legal scrutiny yeah. under um you know so i just i think there's absolutely a massive place for ai but i still do think we need to have a little bit of clinical caution when we use it just as a blanket
1: use.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: And what was um was it terror Uh, I never know how to say last name Roll. (laughs) that in her in her presentation, she said we need to kind of the ethical question was, is Mm -hmm. it doing my work for me or is it helping Mm -hmm. me to do my work? And I think that's a huge thing. Like, I feel like there's a difference between when we say like, hey, I've written this goal, put it in AI to make sure I have all of the elements of a smart goal Mm -hmm. versus like just saying like, hey, write a goal for me. Right. You know, and I think looking at things like that and and when we think about that, when we're inputting in our our clients information, making sure that we're keeping that HIPAA compliance Absolutely. and, you know, putting the least amount of identifiable information that we can in there because we really just it's hard to know who's accessing that. And, you know, there's not a lot of um security around that. And that is, I think, a question that maybe the legislature or something yeah. needs to answer somewhere along the mm-hmm. way with ai
2: yeah totally agree totally agree
0: yeah i think the the whole ethics around ai we're going to have to continue to define that mm-hmm. as as it gets more and more integrated into what we're doing mm-hmm. so so my question to you guys is how do you think ai is going to impact telepractice
2: hmm that is a good
1: question. Yeah, that's a
2: great question. I think I really love it for the use of therapy creation. Mm-hmm. Like, so I think tele practitioners will be able to like very quickly, even based on like a conversation that was had a minute ago, very quickly generate a high interest at right, just the right level type of material, mm-hmm. along mm-hmm. with a visual. To then, of course, be used through um, telepractice or in a telepractice session. Yeah,
1: that's I think it will be more easily integrated than in person Uh therapy, I'm guessing, because Mm -hmm. we all have like the computers right there. We don't have to stop in the middle of the session and go to the computer to use it. Um, So I'm picturing it be more to be more easily integrated. I'm really interested to see um how it gets integrated in diagnostics type things. And I know that there were some sessions on that that we um you know went to, but it'll yeah, because the computer's right there anyways if you could, you know, have it transcribe things for you or have it judge intelligibility or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. other things like that I think are going to be really interesting.
0: Yeah. I agree. And I think it was Tara who was talking about um or she showed a, a brief video of uh, the telepractitioner and the patient basically are in a virtual world and they're mm-hmm. interacting, mm-hmm. Uh, but it's all it was all through telepractice. And then there was another one where she talked to, where she uh, also showed a video of being able to play chess with people and the actual oh, chess yeah, pieces the chess move.
1: Pieces moved. Yes, um, that was very cool.
0: And and so that was very interesting. It wasn't virtual reality, but it was definitely through technology being able to play these games in real time with someone who's not in the room. That's really mm-hmm. cool. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's... Um, so I think we can all agree that it's here to stay. It's not going <laughs> right. away. Mm-hmm. It's going to continue to get Integrated AI will get integrated into our diagnostics, into our treatment. And that's across probably all po- all populations that we're working with, and it's going to be even more integrated into telepractice.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Where do you view the role? So when AI um starts to like automate a lot of these things, where do you see the role of the clinician? Like, is it so the like what I wonder is like are we going to have are we going to be learning like different critical thinking skills like some of that mm-hmm. redundancy we won't have to do right. but what it- will our role be as we co kind of like co-interact with AI when we're delivering these services
1: yeah cuz they've talked about that speech language pathology is listed as one of um the professions that kind of won't disappear right. because of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think one of our, and we were talked about this before we started recording, I think one of our roles is to make sure that people with disabilities are represented in Mm -hmm. the, whatever it is, I don't know the technical terms, the algorithms or the speech or the um, decision making that the um, AIs make. And I know that there's some biases in there. So I think that's one of our roles as speech language pathologists is to make sure that we're advocating for that.
0: And I, I think it's you know double checking the the output, yeah. right? right. Um, which which also goes in. I mean, you could get really philosophical about this, in terms of you know n- if we re- went back and look at a- all of our diagnostics that we've done in person with children or adults, depending on who you're working with. If you went back and watched the videotape or Film of what you did, there's probably things we missed. So, so we as humans are probably not 100% accurate every time.
1: Right.
0: And so it's going to be interesting, again, going back to the ethics and if, if we can get AI to be 99% accurate when we're only 95, I mean, then so it's going to be interesting as we go forward. And again, how it's, how it's integrated. And right. double checking everything.
2: So sort of yeah. like AI generated, SLP approved. <laughs> like
0: <laughs> I like that. That's a new stamp we can put on. <laughs> <There you go>. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the,
1: the kid tested yes. mom approved. That's I was thinking I like it. I like I,
0: it. I think we're on to something, Michelle. That's uh S.
1: Yeah,
0: a new t-shirt right there. Okay. Should we move on to another topic?
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: How about neurodiversity?
1: That was a big word this year um mm-hmm. and you know we just it was like we had a crystal ball because we just happened to have an episode on that right before Ashley came. Right. Um so that was you know worked out well. I I love that it's there more and I think you know, it's it's crazy. I haven't. You guys have been practicing a lot longer than I have, but it's wait a minute, it's, it's, <sighs> a little bit longer. Does that make you feel better?
0: I think she's saying we're old, Michelle.
1: <laughs> I'm not trying to. I'm just more ex- <laughs> okay, go wisdom. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go wisdom. ahead.
0: Wisdom, go ahead. wisdom. Yes, we're wise. <laughs> yes,
1: wise and wise experienced. Experienced, but mm-hmm. I just think that like. Watching the field change. And just when you think, like, oh, we know everything, you know, we're kind of at a place where there's not going to be big upheavals. And then it does. And there's big changes and, and how we, you know, view people with disabilities and, and, or not even disabilities differences, I think. And, you know, seeing that mm-hmm. as a difference and not a disability and a strength instead of a weakness and being that strength based therapist. Um, he, you know it's it's interesting and sometimes i f- this is my other thing is i feel like sometimes we watch these presentations or or see these movements and we feel like we're not doing enough or how do i like go and it just ash in general like now how do i take all this information and then i go and like change everything i'm doing mm-hmm. <laughs> and become like this total neurodiversity affirming therapist in a mm-hmm. school system that's not neurodiversity affirming and it can feel like kind of disheartening, but I think just finding like one way you can change and one thing you can do, and, and like maybe it's just bringing up in IEP meetings like, hey, are we making sure that this goal helps the student and not just for the comfort of everyone around them? That's something that, um, Julie Roberts talked about mm-hmm. in, thing and that I have incorporated like in just small ways mm-hmm. so I think just finding one small way that you're like okay I'm gonna make this change to make sure I'm gonna you know make this change in my language that I do and just taking one step at a time rather than being like okay I need to swing the pendulum completely the other yeah. way stop everything I've been doing fight the system and just become this total different SLP and you know I think I think that's not reasonable
2: one way that I've been trying to do
1: that is when I write goals and objectives.
2: Mm-hmm. So I just, so that's like a small way that I can start shifting my language. And then also the way that other team members are also thinking about like a particular skill right. in a more neurodiverse lens. Yes. So, you know, years ago, we always used like eye contact, eye contact. And now, you know, we're not using that anymore right. and just like, yeah, re, re- wording things so it's yeah. a bit more neurodiverse
1: um yep. affirming yeah yeah oh i love taking eye t- contact goals <laughs> off the of kids ieps for one combinations thing, yeah. yeah yeah for one thing over telepractice eye contact is mm-hmm. weird right <laughs>
2: like,
1: yes I've yes like i can't even work on this on on telepractice because like they're my eyes aren't in front of them. So are they supposed to look at my eyeballs or are they supposed to look at the camera? How does this work?
0: Right. And That's so,
1: true. so I sometimes have used that as an excuse to take it off, but really it just always felt unnatural to try and get kids to look at you. Like, yeah, that be the first part of what you did. I don't know. In an unnatural way. Yep. Yeah. So here,
0: here's, here's my question to the two of you. So we know with neurodiversity it's has a focus around autism right Mm -hmm. but at the convention i don't know if you noticed there was a couple of presentations on fluency and stuttering and how it shouldn't be viewed as a disorder right and then asha gave an award to a a deaf man who is an actor and advocate and he talks about um, ASL being a first language of all deaf children and right. you know language impoverishedness, being language impoverished and and because they're not getting ASL versus listening and spoken language. So my question is, what what are the limits going forward? where Where does it where does the diversity aspect, Start and stop, and then the disorder and the treatment, and intervention starts and stops.
1: That's such a hard question. Oh. That's and you I like did, that one. That, I've been thinking about that I know, one. I don't know if we can <laughs> answer. Like, how much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I have the answer to that because that's something that I have struggled with as well. And what. What is our role going forward as a speech-language pathologist, as a speech-language therapist? Mm-hmm. And if we're thinking about, you know, eliminating disorders or helping kids overcome disorders, and if we're changing that word and we're saying it's not a disorder, then where where do we go? Where's our role? I feel like I have more questions than answers. <laughs>
0: right. Do we come, become more like disability life coaches? A moth, see what I'm saying?
2: Yeah, uh, the other question I would have, though is that when we think about neurodiversity, that's just a change in our brain, like a uh, differences in like the way right. that brains work right. right A disorder though is a little bit different because it has to have an impact on daily Action, living assess- functioning. Or, or, yeah. or functioning, right. yeah, so maybe that's where the conversation will lead us is like, okay, so Lots of people can be neurodiverse, mm-hmm. right? But when they demonstrate a particular disorder that impacts functioning or daily functioning, mm-hmm. that's what
1: we're thinking about. Yeah, I like that. On. And I think our role also becomes helping them advocate Mm -hmm. which i would say is not something that we were trained super well to do (laughs) i don't think that there's you know in all of the things (laughs) like speech sound disorders and voice disorders there's not a how to help your clients advocate for themselves class yeah so right
2: that's such a a huge part of life also right because Mm -hmm. our clients have to learn these skills from a very young age and it, yep. it they take it with them up until like in as a job in a relationship in yeah. everything anything yeah, yeah.
0: well obviously wow, Todd. I mean, well this is this is something that i've dealt with just because <laughs> i work in the area of hearing loss and you know mm-hmm. is it a mm-hmm. cultural difference or is it a disorder and so that's what they call the hundred years argument it goes back yeah hundreds of years And so I'm kind of used to that, you know, seeing these different perspectives all the time. But it seems like we're just with starting to have that with neurodiversity and autism Mm -hmm. being viewed more from a difference perspective rather than a disorder perspective. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then we're seeing fluency being more of a difference than disorder, just Mm -hmm. with these couple of presentations and so where again it's i don't want to belabor all of this but you know i think i think it's going to be interesting for our profession to try to define when it is a difference or a disorder Mm -hmm. is it up to us to do that or is it us to the individual
1: right or is it
0: up to the parents to decide what they want
1: right yeah. And then how right. does that impact, like, things like access to services, too? If we're mm-hmm. not going to call it a disorder, then do insurance companies say, well, if it's not a disorder, then we don't have to cover you helping this right. person with right. it. And I think those are, you know, conversations, too, that we have to consider and have.
2: Right. And I also think as as part of the bigger neurodiverse conversation, neurodiverse people are engaged in this conversation. Yeah, So right. that's um a really amazing thing also to get perspectives mm-hmm. of all different people who are kind of under the umbrella of this neurodiverse
1: like label mm-hmm. right yeah
0: well it's i think it's going to be an ongoing discussion and we're going to have to mm-hmm. continue to figure this out as we go <laughs> forward yep so um another area how um is burnout we heard a lot about burnout, seem yep. to be lots of different uh, pr- presentations on burnout and uh, sort of that work life balance, you know, right. topic and what to do, how to have more of a balance. What can you do? Yoga, mindfulness, all those things. Um Kicking the cat. I don't know. You know, whatever works for you. Uh, drinking heavily. I mean, Tim him is trying to cut down a bit. Um, so what do you guys think? What did you experience at the convention?
1: Oh, so I there were two sessions that I went kind of back to back. And one of them was on using our degree to do thing, jobs that are non-clinical. And that one was like in one of those bigger ballroom areas and was just about full. And um, the next one was on burnout and it was going into the overflow, filled up the room and the overflow. And so Mm. just by like if we think like people are voting with their feet, (laughs) I think just that like really shows the where our field is right now and just the overwhelm that we're all feeling and um it's also i like three pages of notes on the session on burnout is the most notes i took of any of the other sessions wow. just because there was so much in there that was like yes yes that speaks to me and um just so I highlight a couple things and we're um let me find who it was that was talking at some point, I will. Uh, She talked about that sometimes she compared, you know, if we are thinking about a flower and how a flower blooms, and if a flower isn't blooming, you don't like rip out the flower and change the flower, you change the soil and the environment that the flower is growing in. And just like that, I think a lot of times we um, feel like I have to stay in this job, I have to stay in this environment. Like that's, you know, I'm not a quitter, I'm successful and sometimes there's something about that environment that you have to change and not just like changing yourself and blaming it on yourself. And so that was something that really stuck to me, um stuck with me about thinking about burnout and where, you know, where do we need to change the system and change just the job or uh, where we're at instead of just blaming it on ourselves and that we need to do more yoga and mindfulness <laughs> to <laughs> not have burnout. Right. I love yoga and mindfulness. <laughs> and, and They're also, great, too. Yes, they're great yeah. too. They're also a tool, but yeah. Right. Yeah. just that balance of everything.
2: And I've also had this conversation with a lot of different professionals about kind of what you were saying of is kind of, we're sort of ingrained by society to be stressed out. Like, we you know talking Mm -hmm. about how stressed out we are how much work we have like that's a big topic of conversation that I often have Mm -hmm. with my colleagues so Mm -hmm. what especially one colleague and I are trying to do is really shift our mindset of like we should not be rewarded for being stressed out all the time Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. there is like we have to find a balance and if it's Like one thing that I'm doing every day, rain or shine, is I take a 20-minute walk for at lunch. Like no matter what, I am leaving wherever I am and going for a 20-minute walk. And that definitely helps my overall level of stress. And it kind of goes with that presentation that was on the mindfulness and meditation.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's there's actually a walking (laughs) meditation.
2: A walking meditation, Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, those those exist. <clears throat> and so, um, you know, Michelle, you're drinking out of a mason jar. That's I am. Really and it's water. <laughs> it's a clear liquid, whether it's water or not.
2: If I Down start to s- get a hilarious in a few minutes, you'll know.
0: <laughs> Down south, when we drunk, uh, would drink uh, clear li- liquids out of a mason jar, it was usually some someone made it in their backyard somewhere
1: <laughs> oh i wish i was that exciting no <laughs> i feel like todd's projecting on us right just, now michelle
0: <laughs> just things i'm noticing things i'm noticing so um michelle is practicing self-love at the moment and drinking out of a mason drink.
2: Here with liquid, yes
0: <laughs> with clear liquids um so yeah, I think I think you're right, Michelle. I think I think we have to change our mindset. Yeah. I think um and I and I think a lot of this as as we know started kind of with COVID and people were realizing I need more balance in my life and 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 not to be so stressed out in doing these things. Um and I think one of the things I picked up on in one of the presentations uh, in addition to what you guys found was uh, I think people are or or have been or can been conditioned to think that these to to sort of have a passive role in this, that there's nothing they can do, that this is just my job and I'm tired all the time. Yeah. Rather than sort of taking ownership and just protecting like what you're doing at lunch for 20 minutes and walking, you just protect that time and that is your time. And no one interferes. No one impacts that. And that's just for you. And I think there's people who are finally giving themselves permission in that sense to, to do those things. And I think that's one of the, in the past few years since COVID that people are, are changing their mindsets and, and finding those things that give them more peace, more, you know, more wellness and more Mm -hmm. self-care. So I think it's a a very good thing for us as a society, for sure. Mm
1: -hmm. We want to congratulate Presence for reaching the incredible milestone of 6 million remote evaluations and teletherapy sessions. Presence is a pioneer in special education and mental health teletherapy, and they're making a real impact in solving the national shortage of school clinicians, with nearly 10,000 pre-K to 12th grade schools supported across the nation. At Presence, they're on a mission to empower schools and clinicians by breaking down the traditional barriers to success through their elevated approach to teletherapy. As a trusted partner and advocate for clinicians since 2009, Presence offers its large community of teletherapy providers access to an award-winning platform with assessment and therapy materials, continuing education, and networking opportunities to help them succeed. Through ongoing clinically-led resources and support, Presence is meeting the needs and creating career opportunities for clinicians today, wherever they are. Presence is teletherapy elevated. Learn more at Presence.com.
0: So let's see, what else? Oh, I I mentioned I went to the the speech pathology and audiology discussion, compact discussion, uh, the compact that's happening uh, with states around the country. And what I learned is that we're basically at about 30 states. That have signed on to the compact and you can go to the compact website, just Google speech and speech language pathology and audiology. state compact should come up Uh, a couple of things that um, have kind of slowed things down a little bit that they talked about was having some type of database that would talk to all 50 states. And I've seen this in other things, too like newborn hearing screening and things like that and trying to get data from all the different states and you have 50 different systems and all that stuff. But apparently, nursing has had a 50-state compact for many, many years. Yeah, And they invested very heavily in a system, software, and and uh, apparently, I think we, not, not we, but the SLP and audiology compact is going to work with them, has been working with them to develop their own similar system. So that has been one of the things that uh, has kind of slowed things down a little bit. But from what uh, they were talking about in the presentation is that in 2024, next year, they should start issuing those endorsements or credential, whatever it's going to look like from the commission from from the compact so that people can start actually practicing across state lines without having to they would have to get some type of endorsement in the other states but it wouldn't be a
1: full license license that is really exciting yeah so I yep. feel like it's my turn to ask the hard question of how do you think that will change telepractice, our field in general, once we're able to do that? What do you think?
2: It will only facilitate telepractice, only, mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to make it so much easier and smoother, I think, for people, clinicians to deliver services without that war, Because usually our clients don't know that there's like this licensure dilemma going on yep it's kind of up to us to make sure that you know that we're meeting you know that we're licensed in the state that we're located in and this license and the state that our client is in Mm -hmm. but so i think it's going to give us a lot more freedom in how and who we can uh, provide intervention for
1: yeah
2: yeah for sure
0: let's make it international (laughs) there you go (laughs) i i think the Kim Dutro-Allen international national empire (laughs) will now will eventually spread to all 50 states and we'll all be working for Kim before it's over with
1: oh yeah yeah right (laughs) (laughs) no I think it'll be interesting to see because I wonder if it If there's a little bit of like a pushback with it, too, if we'll see anything like in-person therapists feeling more like threatened or or worried about their jobs or if we'll see more people do things like travel therapy, which I know a Mm -hmm. lot of nurses do. Mm -hmm. I feel like I feel like we say that there's travel therapy jobs with slps but there's not really like it's like oh move to another state for an entire school year and that's your travel therapy right so that'll be interesting to see if that shifts that some and i i don't know i feel i feel like we have to advocate and you know present it as this is a way to like we were talking about burnout to alleviate some burnout and that our job isn't going away, our caseloads aren't going to drop and there's enough work to go around. So I think we might just need to like, make sure that that message is also getting out and not just to like, we're going to come and steal your jobs. <laughs> right.
2: Oh my gosh. Right. I Yeah. That's right. But I, I also just see caseloads increasing so much. Like uh, right. Be, right. being able to have that flexibility, I think is so nice. Mm-hmm. And pe- there's always going to be the, that group of people who want who simply just want in-person services. Right. So.
1: right. And on the therapist side, too, I think yeah. there's people that are always just going to be like, I need to be in the room with my clients and clients yeah. that mm-hmm. need that, too. And yeah. so I feel like we should always have the option of doing both. And this will just... Give us that option in more places. And if you have an online therapist, then that frees up someone who's in person, maybe Mm -hmm. to see more of those clients that do need that higher level of support or to just do better in person. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. Okay. let's see. I think the only did we talk about trauma? I think that's the last one. Last one that I have. So I think trauma is something that ha- that came up as uh, one of the topics that seemed to have several presentations on. Yep. Um so how did uh, what information did, did you guys take away from from the convention or just thoughts on being more trauma informed?
1: Trauma informed. Um there was a lot this is from a uh, PTSD SLP is it Rachel? Is that her first mm-hmm. name? Mm-hmm. I, sometimes I only remember people's Instagram handles. So I'm sorry, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, she, I went to her presentation the last day, and I was so glad that she also gave a master class in supervision from a trauma informed place too. Cause
0: right, right.
1: I think a lot of us are carrying around some grad school trauma. <laughs> so not from you, Todd. Not okay. from you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh some of us are carrying on from 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 other supervisors not Todd mm-hmm. um so I think that that was great and thinking about that you know not just with our clients but with ourselves as well one thing that really stood out to me was um some things that she said about removing violent terms from our everyday language. And as language experts, I think that's something that like we can consider and think about. But even like the word bullet points as something that is a uniquely American English term that we use and that it has some, you know, some violent connotations to that and just... I don't know. I think just the awareness of the experience of people around you is really what you have to kind of focus on and a respect for their perspective and not thinking like this is what trauma means to me. So Mm -hmm. this is what it means to everyone else was a lot of what I got out of her her training. Yeah. You
2: know, um, in the schools, a lot of teams work really closely uh so because we we do work with a lot of students who present behaviorally very differently and so there's always the question is the student not understanding is it attention over the past several years also is it trauma-based is it um and so really there was one presentation on um kind of doing a uh decision-making process of taking all of these things into consideration and then moving forward like you said Kim in that trauma-informed approach Mm -hmm. because the approach to intervention is different as well Mm -hmm. based on um the background of the client
0: well I think we're gonna have to eventually especially with children who are dealing with incredible trauma in early childhood Mm -hmm. and start taking that into account in terms of diagnostics because we know Mm -hmm. these kids lower cortisol levels and all kinds of things going on in the brain and not being able to learn as well and, and impacting in so many different ways and you know just the the sort of global impact of of trauma and poverty and all these other things happening,
1: mm-hmm.
0: we're going to have to I think have a better way of diagnosing some of these issues, and right. not, other than just saying oh here's a child whose language is delayed. we got to help him get caught up in... and
1: exactly. they're yeah. they're probably
0: going back home into those same environments yeah. and yeah. so um, it's not like that's going to go away for some kids.
1: Right. And I think in thinking about how Kind of like telepractice and trauma informed. I sometimes it's harder to be trauma informed when you're working on tra- telepractice. Um, it's hard for me to like, I don't physically live in the areas where my kids are being mm-hmm. served. And so there's not that awareness of like, Oh, they live in this neighborhood or they live in that neighborhood or, or I know that they're dealing with this issue or that issue. So I feel like you really have to be intentional about opening up those, um, those conversations with the people that you have on the ground there's a lot of things that just like they're not in the iep system or you know and nowhere does it say like um they're living with you know grandma because like dad is drug addicted or things like that, like, mm-hmm. you don't know that unless you talk to someone about your student and client. And that's where things like we need less caseload, So we're able to do that. We need to have mm-hmm. more face to face over whether it's online or however, interactions with the people with our teams. So we understand that whole client. And sometimes I think there's more hurdles to that, not that they can't be overcome, but there's more hurdles to that with telepractice.
0: I agree, hundred percent, so why don't we end on um the other fun aspect of or another aspect of of the convention was um the convention hall what did you yes. did you guys experience anything?
1: I have so much like. I have in Ash in general gives me so much like fear of missing out, FOMO. Like <laughs> I made it to like I made it to like a third of the convention room and was trying to, you know, talk to people and and um interact with people and I literally like got kicked out at the end I like, I was like <laughs> walking around like hiding my badge trying to not, not let anybody see that i was an exhibitor as i'm like hi i didn't get to say hi to you and i want to see your <laughs> good company and all of these things so i guess that would be my advice is schedule like a chunk a big chunk of time if you're at asha for that exhibit hall because it's such a great i i wish that we could get like continuing ed for know. doing the exhibit hall, because I learned mm-hmm. so much from people in the exhibit hall and seeing what they're doing and things like that. So, but there's That's always right. that like balance of like, I need to be getting my actual, you know, CEUs sitting <laughs> in sessions. And yeah, I'm, I need like another week to go through the exhibit hall.
2: You know, I'm like, just when you asked that, I was just thinking there were so many different people. I can't even like pinpoint one thing oh my gosh mm-hmm. it was right. like the thing that I, yeah yeah there was so many things like i had to do it in kind of like groups like yes. i'm gonna do this right. block and then go do something and then go do another yes. block yeah yeah
0: we we definitely saw that telepractice companies were yeah you know, well represented there some for some, sure some had really large or larger uh, exhibits and uh yeah and big bigger staffs to, you know just sort of walking around and yeah doing that um so yeah the publishers and and of yeah. course super duper was back this year with their mm-hmm. bags um <laughs> the the lips <laughs> yeah,
1: the lip bags
0: <laughs> the lip bags uh my wife Maria said I don't know if that's really appropriate it looks kind of <laughs> it looks kind of like you're getting kissed rather yeah. than just you know speech. Um, Anyway, Um, so but that was good to see them back because I don't think they were in New Orleans mm-hmm. uh, if I recall. So it was nice seeing them back. Um, But yeah, I thought the exhibit hall was you know worked out really well. Um, yeah, and I think we can also plug Sig eighteen. They had a yes, dinner, right? And that was great. Many of us were able to go and. Get some free food. (laughs) But uh (laughs) but uh and it was so
2: cool. Right. Just um meeting different people who you may like know online or have read some of their work and yeah, seeing them in person. I thought that was really cool.
0: Yeah. I'm hoping they can do more of that. So
2: yeah.
0: Um next year we will uh the convention will be actually a couple of weeks later than usual and it'll be in Seattle.
1: In December. Yes. In nice.
0: December, the first week, first <laughs> right. weekend in December.
2: So what's the weather like at that time? Cold. Mm, I'm guessing cold and cold. Cold and, <laughs> <more> cold. <laughs> cold <laughs> and oh, rainy.
0: Although Boston wasn't that bad. It was uh oh, it, it was beautiful. not it was a very nice. mild and nice days.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: So maybe we'll luck out in Global warming will help us in (laughs) Seattle next year. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so Michelle, this little project that you have going on in all your spare time, this little thing called, uh, let's see, what is it here again? Um, (laughs)
1: Easy Report Pro. (laughs) Easy Report pro. Pro. I talk to anyone <laughs> yeah. and everyone that will listen to me about Easy Report Pro. You're and awesome. I, yeah. I, yep. I I can't like I can't not. It's like one of those things where you're like like once you know about that hack, you have to tell everybody about that hack. This is my life hack. It's Easy Report Pro. And I I can't even tell you it's been life changing. Oh. I am the slowest report writer in the world. In the world, and even working for companies that have access to things like Q Global or report templates, it just like would still take me forever to go through it with the fine tooth comb and make it sound good and figure out how to say it right. And I, I was telling someone the other day, from start to finish, I scored a self by hand okay. and then put the infor- the scoring information into. Easy Report Pro and had an eight-page paper written, eight-page report written in the space of one hour. One hour from start to finish. That
2: is awesome. Like,
1: I, there's, yeah. You don't you don't need to advertise. I'll do it for you. So.
0: Well, Kim, I'm still waiting on that report from 2010 of that kid we worked with.
1: Oh, I'm sure because I'm still working on it. <laughs> I told you I was really slow with that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Michelle, give us an update. What's going on with Easy Report Pro? I know you've been expanding and doing other things. Yes.
2: So we are. So we continue to grow. We continue to refine and add to our resources we have um, medical AAC. So we have a Medicaid reimbursement report if anybody needs that. And wow. oh, we also launched a focus mode in Easy Report Pro. So if you're a clinician that doesn't need the full outline, like the, all the components of a, a report, like background information, reason for referral, and you just want to jump in and quickly generate a like an assessment Mm write-up, our focus mode lets you literally just do that. From one click, you can select the the different assessments you want to do, pop in your data, and the write-up will get written, will get generated. And then you can then copy and paste that into an EMR. I use it for arena evaluations Mm -hmm. when I'm doing evaluations with other related service providers. And we have one big um, document and right. I mm-hmm. just so need to you put. You don't need
1: all of that. I don't need so, all the uh, other stuff. Smaller pieces and yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. You guys also added um, tables too. Yes, that yeah. was really great to have mm-hmm. visuals um, for the results because that's something they took. They used to have that like on the front of the self when it was the self four. Mm-hmm. They had yep. the little table that showed like the layout of all the different scores, and they took it off. And I missed that on the <laughs> self five. Um, but this is even better because then it just does it for you. <laughs> it does it for it.
2: So we, oh my gosh, I'm glad you mentioned that. So we have tables that will put in all the scores for, you know, like a particular assessment. But say you do multiple assessments, we have an automatic bell curve table mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that will plot all the scores from all the assessments that were used in the in that particular report and give that as a visual. So even if it's not part of the report, clinicians are using it to in the meeting to kind of show parents and other team members, This these are areas of strength, they're right in the bell curve, and here are areas of challenge.
1: Right.
2: And it's automatic. Yep. It automatically does it for you. So, yep, yeah, we have that. Great. And we're also st- talking about AI. We are strategically using AI for some of our checklists. And um, it's really just just the checklist. We are not integrating it into the test write-up at all um, because we need that to be really consistent and accurate yeah. all the time. But for some of the checklists, we have programmed um, our AI to kind of just smooth out some of the grammar. So if anybody's interested, you can um, let us know through the platform and we can set you up through with AI. It's just in beta testing right now. So it's kind of cool.
0: Yeah. And and if people want to know more about Easy Report Pro, how do they find it?
2: How do they find it? So you can come to easyreportpro.com. It's a website (laughs) that we have a lot of information. You can email us at info at easyreportpro.com. We are also on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. And um, a Google search could find us. Yes.
1: <laughs> find Email me. I'll tell you, you all about can. it. Yes. We'll tell you all about it. <laughs> but it's Excellent. exciting. It's exciting. Yeah. Yep.
2: And right. I think, I know, Kim, like, yeah. Kim is like, you're the best. <laughs> <laughs>
0: She she mentions it quite often, so I know so.
1: I know you're on my list of things that I was thankful for this month oh, in our little right. intro. <laughs>
0: that's right, that's right.
2: Oh my god, I love it! Yeah, and
0: yep. as as we record this tomorrow is Thanksgiving, so thank you both. This is, you know, you you both are people that I am am truly thankful for. So thank you both for all that you do and. Kim, with this podcast and Michelle with the company and everything else you're doing and all the other collaborations that we're doing. We just, I really appreciate both of you so much.
1: Yeah, we appreciate, yeah, we appreciate you for bringing us together and all of the other people that you've brought together to really, you know, help telepractice and help kids with hearing loss and just the field in general.
0: Thank you, Kim. Thank you
1: well,
2: I have to say thank you both, like thank you both. I love your uh, collaboration and and just mutual interest It's just pretty remarkable to be kind of in the same orbit as you guys. so thank you.
0: And with that, we wish everyone listening uh, by the time you hear this, you'll probably already have finished Thanksgiving because will be um out next Monday, Monday. and right after thanksgiving but we hope everyone has had a great holiday and uh michelle thank you again for joining us and we'll wrap it up from here i want to thank michelle for joining us again on the podcast and helping us do a recap of all the highlights at asha uh, the american speech language hearing association annual convention which was held this past week in Boston, well, two weeks ago. But always great to have Michelle on, and she's just one of my favorite people, and she's doing some really great work. Go check out what she's doing over at EasyReportPro.com. And with that, thank you for joining us on the podcast. It's always great to have you as our listeners, our subscribers, If you don't mind, please rate, review, subscribe, follow, share, whatever you want to do to spread the news about the podcast. We really appreciate all that you do for us. And if you can help us increase our listenership, uh, the number of people that are subscribed, that would be wonderful. And so with that, we'll be back again next week with another exciting episode. Until then, be safe and be kind. This has been a production of the 3C Digital Media Network.